0: It is indeed a pleasure to have this privilege to play here for you. Well we intend to give you a very fine program. So just settle back, relax, and enjoy the moment.
1: Welcome back to a special edition of Mic'd Up on OWN Radio. This is your daily COVID-19 news update for Lowcountry listeners. I'm your host, Mika Gadsden. Today's date, it's Thursday, April 9th. And the time of this recording, It's currently 5.44 a.m. Let's start off today's update show with some news regarding a new threshold South Carolina just passed. Take a listen.
2: The Department of Health and Environmental Control has announced 139 new cases of the coronavirus in South Carolina, including 12 additional deaths. Now, that's the highest single-day increase in deaths. This brings a total number of people confirmed to have COVID-19 in our state to more than 2,500, and those who have died to 63. State health officials are projecting that the week of April 24th will be the worst for the coronavirus in South Carolina. That's 17 days from now. By then, DHEC says they're projecting 14 COVID-19 deaths a day, and they're protecting just under 500 people in the state. Wow, to you heard that virus.
1: startling uh, list of numbers. Yesterday was our single most deadliest day since the pandemic hit South Carolina. And um, just to put that in perspective, or rather, I, I want to reiterate those numbers according to D-Hack's site. And again, this was updated yesterday evening uh, around three thirty 30 p.m. Uh, yeah, Wednesday, April 8th. This, these are the latest numbers. So, again, 63 deaths attributed to COVID 19 and a total positive caseload of 2,552 cases here in South Carolina. They've changed the, um, it looks like they've changed uh, the uh, dashboard uh, of the testing site or the testing page on DHEC's website. So usually I would look to the left of the page to see uh, where cases ranked per county. And for a while, Richland County um, was at the top, followed by Charleston and so on and so forth, Buford and whatnot. Um, But what they've done and I've and I've heard this um, this kind of rhetorical shift in um, either national and local news coverage. uh, They're tracking it or showing you more data that shows rate per rate of infections per 100,000 population. So again, if you visit the DHEC website and you see a little bit of a different appearance in that dashboard, um, you can filter the results by county, but now they're presenting t- it to you in terms of a percentage. So at the top of the list currently, we have Kershaw County and remember, Kershaw stood out as a hotbed for uh, COVID-19 initially given its population, so the, the, the ratio, Um, of infected uh, cases or infected residents to total population um, exceeds that of of, um, other areas here in South Carolina. I think that's what I really want to pay particular attention to moving forward. Um, You're going to hear from uh, Mayor Sumney of North Charleston. He too uses that language um, to frame how successful the city of North Charleston has been in avoiding any type of, uh, I guess, bumps in the curve. So just um, train your ear to hear that rhetorical shift. Um, they're framing it so that you see how, how, I guess, how impactful the virus is based on population. So yeah, Kershaw County is leading the list with a rate of 213.36. Uh, again, that's rate per 100K population. And it's followed by, uh, excuse me, that was Clarendon County that I just read to you. Uh, Kershaw County's 247.93. Again, um, Clarendon County, which is another hot bid. Remember the Post and Courier, uh, Avery Wilkes, I interviewed him last week. He mentioned Clarendon County, a, a, a rural area. Then Lee County is coming in. Um, then Sumter County, Beaufort County, Richland County, and Charleston County. Uh, so it goes down from there. Another headline-making story to watch is one that's featured on the front page of today's Post and Courier. Uh, It says, Mount Pleasant emerges as coronavirus hotspot, city working with businesses to enforce restrictions. Now, this was uh, written by reporter Michaela Porter and Andy Shane. Uh, So we're seeing Mount Pleasant, uh, we're seeing kind of, I guess, perhaps, some more activity in Mount Pleasant. That's something we need to watch. We know that there has been on again, off again, back and forth, changes in rules and restrictions leading up to the governor's stay at home or work shelter in place order. Um, but it's something to watch cities like Mount Pleasant. So this is not just uh, something affecting rural communities we are seeing bigger municipalities become impacted by that. So please follow that story. I'll be following it and hopefully I'll have more context to offer you in following shows. I mentioned the mayor of the city of North Charleston a moment ago, Mayor Sumney. Here's an update from his office that was published or sent out to the press yesterday. I want to bring
0: you an update. Uh, North Charleston continue to has some growth in the number of cases that we have, but we've been blessed that we're not as high as a lot of other areas in the state, population-wise. I think a lot of that has to do with the response that you're giving, and we're hoping that you will continue to do that. We have some people that have uh, not complied with what we've asked them to do. We don't need people gathering in a church. And I can tell you, if you're still gathering in your church and people get sick, you're gonna have to take some of the responsibility for that. We're asking you not to do it. Set up through technology ways that people can still worship with you, but not in the presence of the building together. Having choices of things that we can still do, but not in a a grouping of people.
1: Ever since I've been following our local response to the COVID-19 pandemic, Ever since I began these daily up update shows, I've noticed something very specific about Mayor Sumney's response. It isn't that he's unresponsive, but he's very measured and deliberate. He likes to employ, um, you know, departments under his purview, like the police department. I reported on that last week. He likes to deploy strategy through those offices. And also he's concentrating um, in a very focused fashion on at-risk populations. So he's focusing on Uh, older populations, folks who might live in assisted living or retirement communities, uh, those more likely to be um, attending church services. So I think what he's trying to do, he's trying to head off, uh, you know, any death rate numbers or that's a bad way of phrasing it. He's trying to head off uh, any deaths or infections and that rate of growth in those specific populations, if that makes sense. Right. So um, he's also kind of distance himself from mayors like Mayor Tecklenburg of the city of Charleston and uh, Mayor Haney of Mount Pleasant. Not so much um, in policy, but in proximity. I think what he wants to do is differentiate himself um, from those other leaders. And I'm, I'm just keeping my eye on that. He's less likely to attend joint press conferences. Uh, so so it's something to watch out for. And his videos and, and statements that he releases, they have a very specific flair Uh, The videos that he he sends out um, sparingly have high production values, include music. So I think he's being very cautious about his response to COVID-19. Moving on to the city of Charleston now, here's an update on PPEs. Take a listen.
3: That's right Brenda, these medical supplies from the National Stockpile were delivered to Charleston earlier today and the supplies will be used to protect City of Charleston employees. City officials tell me that the shipment could not have arrived at a better time. A dozen boxes of masks and more now in the hands of the City of Charleston. Michael Tito, the logistics chief for the City of Charleston, says that this shipment of supplies is not the first that the City has received.
0: So we were contacted by the county uh, and they asked us to provide numbers for, the, for our public safety individuals uh, on what PPE they required related to COVID-19. So we, apply, we, um, we gave them those numbers last week and they gave us this shipment. This is the third shipment we've received from them. It's from the National Strategic Stockpile.
3: These will be delivered through a three-tiered system to make sure those with the most serious needs are met first. First responders will get the first access to the supplies. Then public service workers come next, then office workers.
1: That news clip came courtesy of WCBD, our local Charleston NBC News affiliate. Um, It's great to hear that the city of Charleston is receiving PPE specifically for uh, folks who, those uh, essential workers, who might have more of an administrative role um, and so on and so forth. So it's great to hear that folks are receiving equipment that'll help keep them safe because I know I'm not alone in that I have a lot of business that still goes on. Um, I need documentation. I need to go to certain offices, um, at least the ones that are currently open. So it's great to know that when I, when I get there, I'll see the city is uh, taking the proper precautions to keep their workforce safe. So um, shout out to them for that. I'm gonna keep it in Charleston for a second. Uh, check this out. It was at a it was a special session or emergency city council meeting yesterday. Here's some sound, and I'm gonna come back on the other side and give you a little bit of commentary. Here we go.
3: Roth City Councilman Jason Sakran tells me that the plan involves a series of microloans to businesses. He said he originally proposed this a few weeks ago and City Council just hasn't acted on it. He said if they approved it originally, then businesses would only be about a week away from getting the money they need.
2: Um, small business owners are hemorrhaging and will continue to hemorrhage money.
3: Charleston City Council member Jason Sakran says he has a plan to help businesses struggling because of impacts from the coronavirus.
2: The, the LDC, which is a nonprofit um, organization here that helps fund small businesses, and the city had a uh, settlement agreement. Uh, part of that settlement agreement, there was um, like $9 million. And basically, I, I approached the director of LDC and the mayor and said, you know, could we potentially use a portion of this to create a revolving loan fund, not as grants, as a revolving loan fund that business owners would pay back into that fund.
3: But when it was brought up at a city council meeting, it was deferred, then sent to a committee meeting where it was deferred again. Sacron says this could help small businesses that are waiting for those federal
1: loans shout out to Paula from uh, live five news for that bit of reporting from yesterday's uh, city council session Um, i'm also following uh, michaela porter uh, at the post and courier who usually covers that beat as well if you remember if you recall a few weeks ago during an an update show um, i i mentioned that i had spoken with her to get more details regarding this measure that was subsequently just shelved by the mayor and other city council members primarily because um, of the way that uh, councilman Sacron brought it to council um, and didn't uh, allegedly according to the reporting I've read and from what I Uh, also uh, what I've read and what I, what I know to be true, what I've confirmed on my own, he didn't bring this uh, measure to the entire council. Uh, No African American council people were engaged. um, And so that was a concern. But my chief concern, um, and this was included in the Post and Courier piece was where the funds were coming from, the funds that uh, the LDC Uh, was uh, told to give to the city in that lawsuit that took place a a few years ago that was $9 million million that was specifically earmarked for affordable housing. And so that's the other part. That's the tricky part that I think Councilman Saccharin is trying to sidestep. And um, I guess my bit of concern, I'm going to just reiterate what I've always said, was there has to be some other discretionary funds. There has to be another pot to draw from to help provide immediate relief to these business owners. I'm never going to say that these business owners do not need relief. They do. Um, We do not want to crash our entire economy. However, the way that Charleston routinely goes about business, specifically during a catastrophe, a natural disaster, hurricanes, you name it, typically who suffers the most are folks living on the margins. So if you're going to take money from affordable housing, what I haven't heard from Sacrin and others was was how he was going to in turn mitigate any fallout from that, right? And I think in this rush to be the first, the fix, and I know it, I know a lot of planning, I, I know a lot of strategy was being plant, was um being employed, but if we continue to rush to uh to just come to the aid of food and bev at the risk at the at the detriment of folks on the margins, we continue to perpetuate a problem. So I'm going to maintain that stance. Um, I have, like I I said before, I have friends on both sides of this issue, but I know for a fact, and I'm studying this independent of this podcast on my own, our city's response to disaster or following a disaster. And this is just following in the same old footsteps and we have to stop. Moving on to state house news. So yesterday, our state legislators made their way back to Columbia for a special session. It was a session that was called amid some controversy, you know, folks want to continue practicing social distancing. So some representatives didn't want to be there and risk it, or they wanted, they lobbied the governor to perhaps have the session held at a larger venue. Um, But uh, just check this out before I get into the, to the nuts and bolts of what took place at the session Take a listen to how one specific um, State <laughs> I can't even stop laughing Take a listen to how one specific uh, Elected official Chose to, to make his way To the special session Alright I'm going to stop laughing but take a listen This is funny
0: So we're on our way to the South Carolina State House uh, The people in District 90 They didn't ask me to be their state representative
1: I asked them uh, To have the honor of being theirs And that's important to me and uh, there was no way that I was going to miss a uh, session today, uh, even with everything going on. So we'll check back in later. Uh, God bless y'all.
0: Remember, uh, flatten the curve.
1: So that was a video from state rep Justin Bamberg, Esquire. Um, he tweeted out that video. I I caught it because Avery Wilkes in the Post and Courier <laughs> Uh, He retweeted it. I don't follow Justin Bamberg. So um, I will now Um, just, you know, let's use theater of the mind right now. So basically, the video is like this action packed video of him returning to this special special session. He's tagging uh, a number of his colleagues uh, in the caption in the in the tweet. Um, But just imagine um, uh, aviators driving in the car dashboard cam editing, um, it's you know a musical score it's it's crazy and then underneath the tweet his his uh, peers responded um so you see response respond <laughs> I cannot stop laughing you see um uh, names like uh Marvin Pendarvis uh, Marlon Kempson uh s- s- state rep Mandy Powers Norrell. all you know just joining him for a laugh the special session though it didn't go as smoothly as you know, folks would have hoped there were some bumps. So let me get serious and get back to the update. Here's a little bit of what went down yesterday during the special session.
2: South Carolina House of Representatives reconvened today at one PM where among other topics they discussed the steps South Carolina is taking to fight the virus, such as keeping hospitals full and funded and full of supplies, as well as having the resources healthcare workers need during the
0: Over at the State House, House Lawmakers passing a continuing resolution today to keep the government afloat after July 1st. The resolution allows all state agencies to continue their funding level from the current year's budget. It also sets aside $180 million for a coronavirus response reserve account and $20 million for a disaster trust fund. $15 million of the virus account is set aside for election expenses in June and November. Some to Representative Merle Smith says lawmakers needed to act urgently today.
3: We've been through hurricanes, we've been through floods, we've been through tornadoes, but we've never been through such where we are all, it doesn't last for a day or a week or a month, it lasts for months. And so we have, that's why we're here today is to make sure that we pass a, a continuing resolution that goes forward. Uh, this, this crisis reminds us that it's always a recipe for disaster when we budget, and we need to always make good, prudent fiscal decisions.
0: Well, Meanwhile, the state Senate is still debating the continuing resolution over a section concerning Santee Cooper. The section would prohibit Santee Cooper from entering long-term deals and contracts as lawmakers consider selling or reforming the state-owned agency.
1: Okay, so I included two clips right there. So the first part you heard uh, WCBD's coverage of the special session, and then you heard a clip from WLTX uh, explaining to you that last half, that second half um, was very important because like I said, the session didn't go as planned. Uh, Talks began to quickly dissolve. So um, I was following this story two ways, both from like what's printed in our media, was printed in our current newspaper. This actually made front page news below the fold in the Post and Courier today, but I was also following on Twitter. I was following reporters like Jamie Lovegrove as he was following the special session. So here's uh, the story that Jamie ended up writing for today's paper. Uh, it's titled, A Utility Dispute Derails State Budget Extension. So I'm not entirely clear as to where things stand currently, but judging by what Jamie has reported, you know, talks have stalled amid this contentious issue with Santee Cooper. So I'm gonna um, continue to read on that. I encourage you all to um, not just read the Post and Courier, the state newspaper also has some great coverage regarding yesterday's special session. Um, and so make sure you take your take a moment to, to read that coverage. I, I hate to see things uh, like red tape uh, really uh, hamper certain legislative efforts specifically during a pandemic where you've called people in and it was great to see our state reps, um, all donning gloves or most of them donning gloves and masks. A lot of them weren't, um, which was interesting. Um, but a lot were, so, uh, yeah, so it's something to watch. Also the state newspaper, uh, is doing, uh, is providing coverage on a very important story. Uh, this is a headline. It says, uh, DHEC, colon, 46% of South Carolina coronavirus dead are African Americans, who are just 27% of the population. So we've been hearing that nationally as well, um, about the disproportionate uh, number of deaths attributed to COVID-19, and how that's uh, impacting black communities throughout the country. But I'm happy to to finally see um, local newspapers and, and outlets pay attention to that, Uh, And we can we can talk about that on another show about the factors and and why that is, you know, how, you know, we will we'll cover that in another show. I'm actually going to end the update here. Uh, I'm not going to end with another uh, health care black history fact, um, but I will encourage you all. Please stay happy, stay healthy. I'm working on some interviews, so hopefully um, you'll hear from some other voices this week. Uh, but, yeah, stay happy, stay healthy. Galagichi folk, y'all stay black. And um, just really, guys, just with these numbers, with us passing that threshold of the deadliest day yesterday, let's make sure we are really taking this pandemic seriously. There's a lot of rhetoric, there's a lot of misinformation, disinformation. Let's please take this pandemic seriously. We have, to, we have to adjust our behavior. We have to adjust the way we go about daily life. We have to make sacrifices. We have to stay home when we can and protect those, like my parents, um, aging populations, and those who are at risk, like some of my friends with diabetes or high blood pressure. You know, so let's make sure that we take every precaution we can uh, to help flatten that curve. So, yeah, until next time, y'all, stay well.